one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay turn your bible please with us to the book of titus the book of titus that little book uh, that comes before philemon and hebrews religion is a very popular thing in the world and always has been but it's a very dangerous thing now the bible when it speaks of religion doesn't have very much good to say about it there's one time in the bible when brother james says pure religion and undefiled before god and the father but the only way anything can be pure is to come out of the word of god nothing is pure apart from jesus he's the purifier the fire of the word of god is what it takes to purify our lives our hearts our motives I want you to bow your heads before i bring the message and let's pray our heavenly father we pray for the fresh oil tonight and for the anointing of the spirit of god we're not asking dear lord anything unscriptural or unreasonable because you've always used lips of clay you've used imperfect people and uh, lord that's where the miracle comes in is when you can take anything as common as a piece of ordinary dirt or clay and then use it to glorify god and help somebody else but i pray to do it again tonight and bless the pastor and all of his dear people and all the preachers that are here in this service we thank thee for the singing and for the sweet christians that's been doing the singing and father we pray that you'd bless this service in an unusual way and give liberty and unction and freedom and anointing and real enlightening and lord we read today over in the book of luke where you said you open the scriptures and you open the eyes and you open the understanding and lord do that again tonight in jesus name amen we're going to begin reading at verse one in titus chapter two titus chapter two this is one of the great chapters on the great doctrine and there's only one doctrine in the bible People say, well, you know, I think I'll go by the Methodist road. They're not in the Methodist road. Not that neither is their Baptist road. Somebody said, well, I believe there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. I don't. I believe there's one way to get to heaven. And Jesus said, I am the way. Now, God chose in the pre-council and uh, of eternity to let his plan of salvation be just one way, and that's by grace. Now, if grace makes me different, then I ought to be willing to be different. And grace will make anybody different. Now, there are two plans of salvation according to the world and according to God's people. God's people say that it's by grace. The world says it's by works. Now, we've got a lot of religious people who say, well, I believe in salvation by grace, but I believe it takes work. Well, I believe it takes work, and that's the work of Christ. Now, for instance, 
I believe in discipline, but not for salvation. I believe that one of the things that's left out today in the average Christian life and the average church is old-fashioned Bible discipline. You say, what do you mean? Well, Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. That's discipline. The Bible says that the glutton and the drunkard are pulling on the same rope. That's some disciplinary teaching. Gets quiet when you talk like that, doesn't it? <laughs> the average Christian knows nothing about discipline anymore. I mean, just help yourself, please, to anything the world offers, and that's what's paralyzed the church today. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him first deny himself, take up the cross. Now, you know what the cross is? It's not something hanging around your ankle or your neck or stick on top of the church. It's something you die on. What's the name of this church? Faith. It's got a great name. You ought never have any trouble subscribing to budget. You wouldn't even need one with faith. Amen. No. Faith. Now the just shall live by what? Faith. Every once in a while... I go to a church, they call it Calvary Baptist, or Calvary. That means she's crucified. And sometimes you get in there, and man, they're squabbling, arguing, fussing, feuding. They're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> that bunch hasn't been to Calvary yet. Amen? Wow. Huh. All right. Now then, we're going to read tonight about grace. Now, I believe in the discipline of grace, but I believe the discipline starts after you get saved. You can't discipline a dead man. And so uh, when a man gets saved by the grace of God, I believe that a life of soldiering starts out. And don't need trying to hang a bunch of armor on a lost man saying, I want you to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. He'll throw that armor off before he gets a block away. Just like little David. Uh, Saul tried to put his armor on him. He said, I haven't tried that. I can't fight with that on him. See, I'm going in the name of the Lord of hosts anyhow. And I don't need much armor. He stopped out there. You know, I got thinking the other day, and this is another sermon that I'll preach someday maybe, but you reckon how long uh, those stones had been in preparation uh, for him? That was, you know, that was his ammunition. He went out to the brook. No telling how many miles those little stones had rolled. No, no, matter, no telling how much water and how many floods those little stones had gone through to get ready. Did you know that? To kill that old giant? Of course, he didn't need but one, but he got five. Of course, I read over there the other day where the old Goliath had four brothers. And, of course, David just went loaded. <laughs> but uh, have you ever thought about what all it took? Do you imagine those little stones that they could talk said, I don't know why in the world we just rolling along here and the water rolling over us. Man, we run up against a big stone, knock the hunk off of me. Listen, those stones were just exactly right. And I tell you, it'd be a wonderful thing if instead of whining and asking so many silly questions about why you're going through so many floods, well, it's just none of your business to start with. Just say, Lord, fix me, where if you want me to be some ammunition in David's sling, so I don't want to be ready. I mean, if we've got a giant to kill, let's get after him. Now, I believe all of it, though, comes after grace. Now, I want to say something else. Sometimes, you know, people think because I still believe in the dietary law. I believe what the Bible says about it. Somebody said, well, I... You know, it acts to me like he thinks you got to, you know, if you don't eat right, you go to hell. No. If Christians don't eat right, they go to heaven a lot quicker. <laughs> Best way in the world, I know how to commit suicide, just get a long fart and spoon the knife and then get after it. 
and everything comes rolling by. If you can get a hold on it, eat it. I mean, that'll kill you in a hurry. But listen, brother, you'll never, you'll never accuse Brother Olaf from getting where with you saying, I believe in, dish, in dietary salvation. I believe in salvation by grace. But I tell you one thing, I believe when God made our body, he knew what we ought to put in it. And he told us in the Old Testament right there in Leviticus, and whether you, I don't care what the theologian said, he's sick too, see? He didn't know beans about staying well, and, and, and God's people need to be taught, and I believe there's only one man left to teach him, and that's the preacher, because he got the book, and that's where it comes from. Now, if we believe in Bible living, why don't we do some Bible living? You'd say, what if I live by the Bible? You'd live by faith. You'd, live, you'd have God's access. You wouldn't have to go to the drugstore and the doctor and the hospital and all that. I mean, if God's people ever learn to live by the Word of God, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto thee, their spirit and their life. That's two things right there, boys. You have the spirit and you have the life. He said, now you're clean through what? The Word which I've spoken unto you. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know what living with faith is? It's living with the book. What kind of life did Moses live when he lived by the word? The Bible said he died according to the word of the Lord. He lived well. Did you ever read about, now Miriam had leprosy, but he didn't. He didn't even catch it. He prayed for her, and, and, and God healed her. Didn't, isn't that right? He died. He was 120 years old, climbed two mountains just before he died. Why? He lived by the word of God. Where did he get it? In the mount. In the mount. And I tell you what. We're not going to get our people back to church until Christians begin to live their faith. You, I hear people say, well, you know, brother, well, preachers, especially, said, you know, we, we have so much competition. I didn't know it. I mean, that's news to me. You say, yeah, but man, you think about television. You mean television is, is competition for what we've got here tonight about that song singing that reunion in heaven? Well, listen, television knows nothing about that. All they know, they may have a reunion in hell, but I mean not in heaven. Come on now. I mean, that's all of the devil. Then you talk about TV competing with what we've got. Why? Nothing but idiots that stay home and watch that thing when they can talk about going to heaven. Don't get mad at me, brother. There's something happened to God's people when they'd rather go to a picture show and see the phony false stuff than to go to church and see heaven and all of its glory. Oh, uh, listen. Uh, it's good. It's refreshing to be with a preacher that's got some convictions. You know it? Because I mean, I'm a preacher anyhow. I don't care where I go. I'm going to just, you know, just go. Because it's right. It's right 36 years ago when the Lord told me to come out of the picture show, and I did. I mean, and it's right now. I tell you, dear friends, let the Holy Spirit lead you in, in your way. You know, I want to preach tomorrow afternoon, the Lord willing, on if they were to elect me to be president. Now, that's going to, that's going to sort of be a drastic. Now, when I get through preaching, I bound you half my congregation wouldn't vote for me. I mean, Christians, and there'd be a flock of preachers. I guarantee you, they'd, they'd, show, they'd, they'd, they'd lectionary against me. But i tell you one thing. If they elected me president, you talk about going after some things, we'd take off after them. <laughs> now, I don't have much prospects of being elected. You know that. And, uh, and, and, and I'm going to say some very unusual things. I've been thinking about today. If I got elected president, just what kind of a program would you have? I mean, what would you do? What would you do? Well, I'm going to say one thing. In the first place, as a preacher of righteousness, I'd have to decline the, the, the honor because I, God called me to preach, and I'd rather be a preacher than president. Amen. So in case they elect me, uh, it'll be a surprise. In case they do, it'll be a surprise when I'd say I just couldn't stand the demotion because God called me to preach. <laughs>
and I'd rather preach any time than go to the White House. I'm going to the big White House after a while. I know that. And my reservation's already been confirmed. But dear friend, isn't it a sight, the mess our, our nation's in tonight? I said last night, and it impressed me when I said it, Back in the Old Testament, the king could never be king until a prophet of God came and anointed his head with oil. You know what that meant, don't you? That means he's supposed to have an anointed brain. He was supposed to think like God, walk like God, talk like God, and be a minister of God to thee for righteousness. And now then the average politician is scared to even take a stand against John Barleycorn and liquor traffic. You know that? Well, I couldn't get elected. Why? The people are so rotten. We've got a bunch of loop-legged preachers, cast for milk toast, I mean with a potato vine for a backbone that wouldn't stand. And preachers, you hear that again, you can just put it down. The world is decayed and rotten and filthy and ungodly and in apostasy and modernism because of our, our religious schools and preachers. There's more infidelity and modernism on college campuses, and that's the cause of the whole rotten mess. Right there. There's no Jesus, there's no Bible, and there's no old-fashioned, separated, dedicated living. What else could you expect out of a bunch of stuff like that? Nothing. And yet, that's what we're paying our taxes for, is to make infidels out of our young ones. Ah, oh, brother, I tell you, I've been exposed to the classroom for 19 years of my life. And I went to school back there when we still had a little faith left in some of our schools. But the very schools that I went to, I could not support give a dime to or send a student to today. Not a one of them. Brother, we're sunk without Jesus. Now then, you'd say, where does salvation come from? Read it to you. Uh, Titus chapter 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not giving them much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. It's plain, isn't it? People look at you so strange sometimes and say, reckon what that means? That just means go home, stay there, sister. Yeah, it means, means take care of your home. That's your first place right there. I'm not blaming the women. If the men would work and do what they ought to do, women stay home take care of the kids let me tell you something boys when we begin to get somebody else to babysit we begin to build juvenile homes uh, if the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world we better get the right hand back on the cradle don't you think you remember that that's the old statement many years ago the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world that ought to be mama's hand oh listen dear friends i don't know of anybody I don't know of anybody that passes their kids to everybody in the community except people. You take an old dog, she'll stay with a pup. You take an old cow, I'll tell you, she'll hook you over her calf. Yes, sir. Ah, listen, anything you want to go watch, you listen, everything's in order tonight except man. And he's the only thing's in bad shape, too. Discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. That's the Word of God, be not blasphemed. That's the reason for it right there. When we go back to Bible order, we'll begin to get Bible blessings. When men will go ahead and be men, and women will be ladies, and mothers will be mothers, and when we look well after our home, things are going to improve. 
Now, would you be surprised that I'm getting preachers' children one right after another now? Do you realize that a preacher in tears said to me, Brother Olaf, would you take my boy? Would you take my boy? He's in trouble. I said, where? He said, in the jail. He's in the jail. Now, you preachers, just sit out there and think this thing over for a little bit. We're never going to get our church people right until our preachers come back to old-fashioned convictions. Well, he said to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. I believe in that. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech. Let me stop there. I believe the greatest characteristic of any Christian is sincerity. Suppose I'm not sincere. Suppose this thing is just a kind of a way for me to make a living. This is my profession. Suppose I'm insincere. I'm the biggest racketeer in this town right now. I'm a religious crook right now. Any man that will take advantage of the ministry to make a living, or I know a preacher told me, he said, you know the reason I got the ministry? I said, no. He said, I just thought it would be a nice way to make a living. He said, I, my mother wanted me to be a preacher and said I just got in the ministry and didn't mention the call. He said, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. You know, one of the interesting things about the Bible is that these fellows lived in the days of slavery, but they weren't in politics. They didn't recommend any marches, any sit-ins or stand-ins. Or, huh? Paul lived in a time of totalitarian government. He didn't. Well, listen, when he got to Onesimus saved, what did he tell him? Beat it for home, son. You've got an obligation over there. Uh, Brother Philemon, you know, he's old. And, and Onesimus said, I'm that. And he said, well, I'm scared to go home. Man said, I'm a runaway slave. He said, yeah, but I'm going to write a letter for you. And I tell you what, when he wrote that letter, I mean, he put it all in there, didn't he? He said, Philemon, just remember where you might have been hadn't been for me coming along and win you to Jesus too. Now he said, you receive him and said, just put all his, uh, hit all his debts on my bill. Now, listen, Paul didn't go and do a bunch of electioneering and he didn't jump up and say, we've got to change the government. No, he said, we've got to change the people. He's busy doing what? Starting churches and preaching the gospel and preaching Christ. Now, why don't the preachers today stay with that? I mean, really, it, it, it just kind of disturbs me to see so many people circling around trying to save a nation that's already condemned to die. And the money that we spend in the time, I tell you, fellas, it's not hard work that kills the preacher. It's the wrong work that kills him. An old car will run a long ways if you keep her properly lubricated. And uh, there's our need. And, and I tell you, when, when, when she's lubricated, she runs quietly and goes right on. And so what else did he say? He said to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Now then, we've come to the text. This is the way to get it done right here. For the grace of God, here it is, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching. Teaching what? Listen, Dr. Grace is not only the greatest surgeon, he's the greatest teacher. He's the instructor in the spiritual schoolroom, and he's to teach us. Now, what would he teach us? Well, the Bible said he's going to teach us that denying ungodliness, there's your discipline. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. 
Oh, wait, oh, wait.